Alright, let's do some work in the Word this morning. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to spend our time. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at verses... We're actually going to look at only a couple verses, but I want us to read verses 9 through 13 together out loud. Is that alright? This is church. Is that alright? Okay. Alright. Y'all got to speak up or something. Is it up there? We got it. Alright. This is God's Word. Let's read this together. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. That is God's word. Amen? Amen. Um, You know what? I, I know some people disagree with how the Walmart Corporation handles their business. Uh, But you got to admit, even if you disagree with how they do things, they have everything. They literally have everything you can dream of. You can find it in Walmart, right? Uh, Let me give you a few statistics that you may not know about Walmart. Walmart brings in about $405 billion in sales each year. That's more than Kroger, Target, Costco, and Walgreens all combined. Um, They make $1.8 million of profit, get this, per hour. Walmart does. 35 million people shop at Walmart every day. 35 million. And I know some of us begrudgingly go there. Uh, And it's kind of crazy. If you go to Walmart late at night, ooh. Ooh. And and no offense, um, but I went to the West Memphis Walmart one time late at night. It was a little worse. Um, 2.2 million people work at Walmart, which is more than the population of Houston, Texas. We got some Houston folks here this morning. More than the population of Houston, Texas. 90% of Americans live within, get this, 15 minutes of Walmart. 90% of Americans. Walmart parking lots alone take up roughly the size of Tampa, Florida. Just the parking lots. And guess what the top-selling item in Walmart is? The all-time top-selling item in Walmart, bananas. Get that. That's kind of strange, right? Bananas. Walmart literally has everything. Uh, There may be some terrible service at times. And I hate it when I go into Walmart and they've got one self-check open, nothing else. Like, come on, man. Like, you're making millions of dollars. You can have more than one self-check open. Um, They literally have everything. I believe... If you got locked in Walmart, I, I, I just, I'm convinced you could survive for years. Just off of, you can make yourself a tent, you know what I'm saying? Uh, they've got guns to protect yourself or, you know, uh, food galore. They have everything. And when we come to this text this morning, you're thinking to yourself, what the heck does the text have to do with Walmart? What I want us to see is that the Lord's Prayer has everything. 
everything we need, everything as it relates to prayer, is right here in the Lord's Prayer. It is the model prayer. Everything is there. Everything we need to survive is right there in the Lord's Prayer. I'll be working... Uh, I want to give you three main ideas this morning. Today we'll only actually see two. Good preachers give you three. Today we'll only see two. We'll see that our prayer should acknowledge God for who He is. And we'll see that our prayer should be a longing for what's right. Our prayer should acknowledge God for who He is. And our prayer should be a longing for what's right. We'll be working from the title, How to Pray. But before we go to work, let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You've promised that Your Word would not return void. So would Your Word be living and active this morning, sharper than a two-edged sword. I pray that Your Word, as the psalmist wrote, would be sweeter than the honey on a honeycomb. Father, would you do work in our hearts by your Spirit this morning? Would you beckon us to yourself? Would you have your way? Would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us eyes to see all that you would have to speak to us and all that you would have for us to see this morning? We give you praise for all that's happened and transpired in this service so far. And we we look forward to what you're going to do. Speak to us, O God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we started this series uh, in the Lord's Prayer a couple weeks ago, and we had a break um, last week where uh, Michael Rhodes just unleashed the word on us. Amen? Or are you here? Were you blessed by it? Um, amen. Uh, and one of the things we made note of in the Sermon on the Mount establishes really this standard that you and I are unable to meet. Things like, you have heard that it was said, don't commit adultery, but I say to you, if you even look at a woman with lust, you are guilty of that thing. Whew. That's, a, that's a heavy standard, um, a tough standard to meet. Also, you have heard that it was said, uh, murder is wrong, but I say to you, if you even harbor anger in your heart, you are guilty of murder. That is a very, very tough standard to meet. In the Sermon of the Mount, um, we see over and over again that we see this standard that's virtually impossible to meet. And that all the more makes true what the old song says, I need thee, oh I need thee. Every hour I need thee. We need Jesus. This tells us, this Jesus' Lord's Prayer, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, makes it very clear that we cannot do this thing on our own. Makes it very clear that we are in need of someone who is greater than us. It shows us that we need Jesus. We saw that the prayer was not for show, but it was a tool to commune with God. And we also saw that the point of prayer is not to focus on ourselves, and that prayer is not complicated, and that when we pray, we pray with an understanding that God already knows. He knows all of the issues we face, and so it should allow us to come before the throne of grace freely because He already knows. Why is this important? I like what D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said. He says, Man is at the greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face with God. He's at his greatest 
and his highest when he is on his knees and he comes face to face with the living God. That's prayer. You are at your greatest and your highest when you, in the act of prayer, acknowledge that you need somebody greater than you are. And that you depend on God and you commune with God through prayer. Get this, we actually get to speak to the Almighty God in prayer. Can you believe that? That God would allow for us to come before His throne of grace and as imperfect as we are, we can talk to Him in prayer. That's amazing to me. Today, uh, we need to see that our prayer should acknowledge God for who He is. Our prayer should acknowledge God for who He is. Verse 9 says this. Look at it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. See, you need to know that this is a prayer for Christians. And, and I don't want to offend anybody, but the gospel is offensive by nature. This prayer is for believers. The reality that Jesus says, his, the first words, He says, pray like this. And the first words out of His mouth is, Our Father. The only way that you can say our Father is if your faith is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He is not your Father if your faith is not in Jesus Christ. So nothing I will say matters to you if your faith and your hope is not in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. His perfect life, His death, His being put in a borrowed tomb and His raising again on the third day gives us the, the ability to say, Our Father. You know what that says? That we are adopted sons and daughters. It reeks of adoption. Our Father. That He is a Father to His sons and daughters who have trusted in Him, who have put their whole hope and faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. John 1.12 says this. Jesus kind of gives us examples all throughout Scripture. Uh, he, John 1.12 says this. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right or the authority to become the children of God. The way that we get the right to say our Father, the way that we get to, the right to be sons and daughters, of the Most High is by believing in His name. It's by receiving Him. That's how we can cry out our Father. If we haven't believed in Jesus, He is not our Father. We are not His sons or His daughters. What makes this so special is that our Father, He can bless us with all spiritual blessings of heaven. And He has put uh, upon all, uh, He has put all those spiritual blessings in Christ and in Christ alone. And He says, I will freely give them to you if you put your hope and your trust in Me. He's put all of the spiritual blessings, all that we need, eternal blessings, in Jesus Christ. And He has offered Jesus Christ as a living sacrifice to us if our hope is in Him, if our trust is in Him. See, the struggle of every believer when we come to the throne of grace is to pray that we wouldn't start, to pray a prayer that doesn't start with ourselves. 
That's the struggle of every believer is to kneel down in prayer and not to start with ourselves, but to start with our Father who art in heaven. That's the struggle for us. Every one of us. Jesus goes on in verse 9. He says, we should pray this way. How it be your name. And the Jews, they can be known for many things, but one of the things they are known for is reverencing the name of God. They actually wouldn't even speak the name Jehovah out of their mouths because they reverence the name of God so much. Man, I, and I'm not advocating for uh, that kind of reverence because I think they could have gone too far. Um, but man, how we use the name of God in vain so easily. How frivolously we use the name of God in vain over and over again in our lives. They wouldn't say Jehovah, they would say the name. The name. And so when we look at the Lord's Prayer and we see Jesus instructing, pray like this, how it be, it could be said in the original language, how it be thy name, the name, how it be Jehovah God. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. To say, how it be your name, points to God and all of His attributes, all that He is, all that He has done, and all that He will do. How it be your name. What are those attributes and how does God describe Himself? He calls Himself Jehovah Jireh which means the Lord will provide. He calls Himself Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord that heals. He calls Himself Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord our shepherd. Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is present. Over and over again in the Old Testament, we see God using these names for Himself. This is His character. That He is present. That He is healer. That He is a provider. That He is our peace. That He is our banner. That He is a shepherd. And how easily we look for these characteristics in other things. I'm going to find my peace in a relationship. I'm going to find my peace, my strength, my my banner in a new career, uh, in fame, in people thinking well of me. How easily we look for these characteristics in other things. So when we pray, don't be so quick to lay out the laundry list of wants before God. But our Father, who is in heaven, how it be your name. That's how we should pray. But it is a prayer out of desire to worship Him. That's what our prayer should be out of. Our prayer, our reverence for God should be out of a desire to worship Him. Our prayer should acknowledge God for all that He is, all that He's done, and all that He will do. Jesus gives us examples of this. Um, Jesus and Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17. He, his prayer is filled with giving God glory. Jesus says in John 17:1, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, get this, that the Son may glorify you. 
Then he says in verse 4, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Over and over again, in Jesus' high priestly prayer, before his end, before the end of his life, he is saying, my job is to glorify my Father. That's how we should pray. Those are the kind of praise, pr- prayers we should be lifting up to God. And what do our prayers look like? How easily the first thing out of our mouths are, God, help me. God, rescue me. God, deliver me. And I think what Jesus is modeling for us is before we get to the God, help me, God, rescue me, God, deliver me, we should say, our Father who has adopted me, who has saved my soul, our Father, your name is great above all the other names. Jesus says we should worship Him through our prayer, that we should adore Him, that we should lift His name up through our prayer. Um, Y'all have probably been reading and seeing in, in the media all this stuff that's happening with the mayor and uh, the city. Um, it's kind of the city having bouts uh, uh, against the firefighters and the police department. And it blows my mind to see what's happening um, because they, they should be on the same team, right? Like, they really should be on the same team. Um, but then this issue kind of trickles over into other things, so the owner of Muddy's Cupcake Shop, did y'all see what was happening with her? Um, it blows my mind. Uh, she gets uh, honored and she gets some recognition. Their, their bakery gets recognition uh, in the New York Times. Uh, the mayor comes in to celebrate with her and she takes a picture with her mayor uh, and she posted it on, the fa- on her Facebook page and people go crazy railing her degrading her. How dare you uh, side with this person? He is the enemy. Um, And this woman's response is, look, I love the police department. I I love the firefighters. I'm not siding with anybody. This is my mayor, right? And so here she is. She takes this picture with a person Get this, not because of his policy, but because of who he is. The mayor walks into her office and she snaps a picture, not because of some policies that he's created, but just because of who he is. There's a beautiful redemptive story that kind of came out of that. One of the wives of uh, the supporters of the police department, she actually went, uh, she was one of the ones blasting the, 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 the owner of Muddy's Cupcake Shop. And she went on, uh, on the Facebook and she went to the shop and uh, she literally apologized in person and said, I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm sorry, I I was wrong for the things that I said about you. Why? Because even this mom, who this wife who is supportive of her husband, who is a police officer, she recognized that this woman wasn't siding with this man because of his policy, but she was siding with him just because of who he is. He's the mayor. And I can tell you, I, I... I, I don't agree with all of the policies that, that have come out of the, the city. And, um, but yet, when I see the mayor in Starbucks, and I've seen him plenty of times, when I see the, the mayor in Gibson's Donuts, and I've seen him plenty of times, when I see him at the gas station, where I've seen him plenty of times, 
I walk up to him and I shake his hand. Hey, Mr. Mayor. Why? Not because of his policy, but because of who he is. He's the mayor of our city. And let me just say this, parenthetically, um, the church ought to be known for more for praying for the mayor than railing on the Facebook page. Don't you think? That's what God has called us to do. But here, I think what we see is Jesus saying, this is how you pray just because of God. Just because of who He is. That He is our Father. Raise up His name. Lift up His banner. Just because of who He is, church. Not just because of what He can do, but just because of who He is. Secondly, we need to see that our prayer should be a longing for what's right. Our prayer should... It should reek of longing for what's right. Look at verse 10. It says this. Jesus says, pray like this. Your kingdom come. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is beautiful. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom is the reign and rule of God. So your reign come, your rule come on earth as it is in heaven. John the Baptist did the same exact thing. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus himself came with the same message when his ministry began. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. The reign and the rule of God is at hand. They preach the same message as Jesus is giving us here. That's what Jesus was speaking here in the same way we should pray today. The kingdom of God, come. Come, kingdom of God. You should know that the kingdom has come by way of Jesus Christ. The kingdom has come. In Jesus' life, the kingdom had come. The kingdom came in Jesus being obedient to death on the cross. The kingdom came in Jesus being put in a tomb. And the kingdom came in Jesus raising again on the third day. The kingdom had come. But the kingdom is also here in us. Right here, right now. Jesus says, I am leaving and I'm not leaving you alone, but I'm sending you a comforter in the Holy Spirit and that comforter will take residence on the inside of you. The kingdom is right here, right now. But the kingdom is yet to come, right? We're reminded of this daily. You turn on the news and we, we, we see very clearly that the kingdom has not come yet. And we're waiting and longing For the coming of the kingdom. And when we pray your kingdom come. We are praying. Get this. For the success of the gospel. When we say God your kingdom come. We're saying gospel of Jesus Christ prevail in our city. God your kingdom come. We're saying gospel of Jesus Christ prevail in the nations. Gospel of Jesus Christ have success. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's will is always being done 
perfectly. In heaven, God's will is always being done right and it's always being done good. In heaven, God's will is being done perfectly. So in prayer, we should long for the reign and the rule of God. Get this, because it's right and because it's good. How much more if we see what Jesus is instructing us on how to pray? How much more should you and I be prayerful of, about our city? When we walk out of our doors and we see the homelessness, when we walk out of our doors and we see uh, the low scores and the low graduation rates, when we walk out of the comfort of our own homes and we see the working poor all around us, how much more should we say as a church, God, your kingdom come to Memphis, Tennessee. Your kingdom come to Memphis, Tennessee on earth, right here, right now, as it is in heaven. Um, man, I, sometimes uh, being a pastor can be very tough. And uh, I remember walking into the hospital room about a year ago uh, of a man. I was called by his family. Um, who, and I walked into the hospital room, and this man is he's probably his early 50s, and he's got tubes down his throat. Um, his body is shriveled up. He's unconscious. Um, this man, is his entire body is riddled with cancer. He cannot speak. He cannot blink. Um, he cannot breathe on his own. His family is in the waiting room, crying out to God, mourning with one another in tears, broken. There's no way to explain what's happening there. This is why we can see all the more the need to say, Jesus, your kingdom come. God, your kingdom come. Turn on the news. And you see the heinous things and the gruesome things that adults do to children. No way to explain these things. God, your kingdom come. Your will will be done. The things that people actually do to themselves. The harm they cause to themselves. Just the other day, um, it was... Uh, the son of Rick Warren, um, uh, almost a year ago, uh, not quite a year yet, um, he committed suicide and he killed himself. Um, and the mom wrote a, a, a deal on Facebook, and I was in tears reading. It was her son's birthday. Um, and she said that her son literally worked for ways to kill himself. And since he was about three years old, they saw that something wasn't quite right. And when he was 27, he actually succeeded at what he had worked to do for years. Who can explain that? A three-year-old who is struggling with depression. Who can explain that? God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because in heaven, 
His works are all right and good. And we cannot explain all of the things that happen on this earth. But what we can do is we we can pray, God, your kingdom come in Memphis, Tennessee. God, your kingdom come in my home. And God, your kingdom come to the nations. God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying, in our prayers, we ought to long for the coming back of the Lord Jesus. And we ought to to pray as John the Baptist prayed in Revelation. Uh, We ought to pray as the Apostle John prayed in Revelation. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. See, the reason all of this is possible is because Jesus gave Himself. We cannot say, Our Father who art in heaven. We, we cannot say any of these things. Uh, we cannot say any of these things with confidence, knowing that God will hear us if Jesus did not give His very life. If Jesus didn't stand in our place for our sin, if Jesus didn't die the death that we should have died, if Jesus at the cross of Calvary didn't beckon us with His love, we can't say, Our Father. We can't pray to Him, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We cannot say those things if Jesus didn't give His life. But I want to tell you, the reason that we wait for His kingdom to come, even today, is because Jesus really did die. And He really did give His life. And He really was buried in a borrowed tomb. And He really did raise again on the third day, conquering all guilt, shame, death. He really did do that. And now He beckons us to Himself. And I would challenge you this morning, if you have not found your hope in Jesus Christ, you cannot pray this prayer with confidence, but you can come to Him now. Because He longs for you to be in relationship with Him. He longs for you to find your hope in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He longs for that. And you know how I know? Because God sent Him to give His own life. God gave up the only Son He had. That's how I know that He longs for us to be in relationship with Him. And that's how I know that we can confidently go before the throne of grace and say, Our Daddy, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Can you put back up the Lord's Prayer? We're going to pray that again together, verses 9 through 13. Let's pray this again out loud together. Um, Let's soak it up in our hearts and in our spirits. Let's pray this together. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank You. We thank You that You are in all things good and right. And Father, help us 
to not rush to the throne of grace, laying out all of our needs before we say that you are our God. That you are our Father. Before we adore you, before we glorify your name. And I pray, Father, that as we become people of prayer, as you cultivate in us just this desire, this hunger and thirst for prayer, I pray that we would come before your throne and that we would say to you, you are our God. You are good in all things. You are the creator of heaven and earth. Your name is above all names. And would you bring your kingdom in Memphis, Tennessee, as it is in heaven. Thank you for your word and how it's right and true for us even today. Father, bless these offerings that you're about to receive. Father, we pray that every gift, it belongs to you anyway, that we would give it back to you. And that we would do that joyfully and with a grateful heart because what you've given us belongs to you anyway. In Jesus' name, amen.